Oh, it's live. Okay. Yeah, Sorry. It's, it's recording. Unfortunate. Hey, everybody. This is the Furloughed Film Talks podcast here on Thursday for our Friday episode. My name is Alex. I'm Ryan. My brother, Ryan. We have a special, special episode. This is a very, this is a cool episode for us. Uh, we talk with two other brothers they're not brothers from another mother but they're brothers from they another are brothers s- from another mother they are yeah well yeah, yeah. they are actually yeah. um so this is the second time we found this with brothers yeah it, i wanted to say that to them on but i completely forgot that we talked to the eisenberg brothers mm-hmm. um back in june may or june uh I think, yeah june time blurs um but we what talk, is time in yeah. 2020 uh this was a really cool thing for us because we watched their movie and reviewed it small town crime and they have a new movie that was released in theaters today called Fat Man, starring Mel Gibson, Walton Goggins, Marianne, Jean Baptiste, um, what was the other kid's name? Chance Hurstfield plays the 12-year-old. But we talked with the directors of that movie, uh, Esham and Ian Nelms. They were kind enough to take uh, some time out to talk to us about their movie, and they were super badass to talk to. Yeah, so very cool dudes. That is at the end of this episode. Before we premiere that, we will give our review of Fat Man. Um, but we've got some small tidbits of movie news, or not even really movie news, TV show news um, on the Disney Pluses to discuss. Yeah, one year anniversary of Disney Plus was today. Yeah, did you see the awkward as hell like anniversary video they had? I I mean, I didn't. I saw like three seconds of it as I scrolled by quickly. Yeah, I saw it and stopped and then like saw that like half of them looked like they had expressions of like, why the actual fuck am I having to do this? But like, oh, was it like a, it was actors. Yeah. They recorded actors. Yeah. No, I didn't see that. Like on a camera or some of like, like a phone just being like, Hey, say happy anniversary to this inanimate object of a (laughs) streaming service. Like, please leave me alone. (laughs) Yeah. Like we need, we need money. Um, so yeah, it was super strange to see that. And I was like, who cares? Like the only thing that I actually give a shit about on Disney Plus is Mandalorian. For now. For now. But like yeah. for the first year I've only really cared about Mandalorian. How dare you? What? The Black Cauldron? Oh piss off. Though the the only original oh, okay. on Disney Plus. I bet I watched the, the um astronaut thing they did. The you Nat mean the Geo? national the, yeah, the Nat Geo uh I don't remember the name of it. Uh best Bestman or something like that. Because wasn't that guy? Wasn't the lead actor in that in Suits? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. The only, I don't know his name. That but. was that's pretty good though. I I, st- I stand that. Good but. for good for Nat Geo, I guess. I don't know. Um, but Does Disney own Nat Geo? Yes. I'm assuming. Okay. Yeah. I don't know when they bought them, but they're taking over the world. So slowly but surely. Yeah. Um. So let's give them all of our money. Uh. So they announced today. Um. Their MCU shows on there, uh, Miss Marvel started production. Um, there was also a report that Moon Knight, which I am so excited for. Um, Wait, am I missing? What is Miss Marvel? Who the hell's that? Because do you want to get into that now? Yeah. All right, we're doing that today. Yeah. Cool. So Miss Marvel, she. Oh, um, I mean, did you have something else? Your. Hmm. Do you hear that? Is that another wasp? Yeah, I think it's another bug. Awesome. This fucking place. So, Kamala Khan is a fictional superhero appearing in American comic books published in Marvel Comics. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. We've been over this. Yes. I remember this now. So, um, the character was originally conceived as a female counterpart to Captain Marvel. 
most of the bearers of the Miss Marvel title gain their powers through Kree technology or genetics. So her big thing How is... How's it a female counterpart to Captain Marvel? Captain Marvel's female. So she's like... Well, a counterpart. Like she's like her... Like partner. Yeah, like oh, okay. psychic partner type thing. It's Wait, weird. was she in uh, Captain Marvel? Was she the, no. the uh, African-American? That's a different character. But she... They're actually the little girl. Yeah. The little girl they like aged her forward because that was in the '90s. So her character's sure. coming back as like a superhero. I think not as Miss Marvel. No, but not as Miss Marvel. Well, I think it's so lazy with there's Captain Marvel and Miss Marvel. Like because it's fucking I don't know, dude. There did you and then then there's like Captain Marvel and then there was a Captain Marvel in DC, but then they had to change that to Shazam. Right. And there's that's a whole kerfuffle. Good lord. Yeah, it's really confusing. Anyways, uh, but Kamala Khan was in the Avengers video game that came out a couple months ago. And so her like big thing is she can like make her fist really big and stretch it out like Mr. Fantastic. So it's a very interesting character. We'll see how this TV show goes. It's kind of lame. It's, uh, it'll be interesting. Um, but they announced her series the same day that they announced Moon Knight and She-Hulk. Um, about a year and a half ago. They're doing She-Hulk? Hell yeah, they are, dude. I'm so excited. Wow. They think that they're going to tie uh, She-Hulk into uh, Spider-Man. What? So, like, She-Hulk will be Spider-Man's lawyer. In, like, actual Spider-Man? Mm-hmm. Like, Tom Holland Spider-Man? Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, because you know... He, like, oh, yeah, because he's, like... He's been accused he's of... He's in some shit right now. Yeah, so, like, he needs a lawyer. So, they're, the, the, the rumors are that either it's going to be Daredevil... As his lawyer. That's which, really who it should be. If that happens, I'll lose my shit. But I'll also lose my shit if it's She-Hulk. So, like, either one of those, like, I'll be super stoked for. But, um, so She-Hulk and then Miss Marvel just started production today. Um, and then Moon Knight got announced that they are going to start their production um, in early 2021. So there's some thoughts now. Um, Yay. The, the prevailing thought is that they're hopefully going to be able to have that show um, premiere in 2021 as well so but that'd be kind of pushing it so we'll see we haven't gotten very lucky with our release dates well, they keep, as of late they, yeah because they pushed you know wandavision back mm-hmm. so that, and that was the biggest news of today what did wandavision's announcement come out about today ryan well yeah they so supposedly like this was originally supposed to come out rumored to come out in december which is like, and that's not even like. Did they? Did Disney actually say December? They, so yeah, they said. I don't remember if they said December, but they basically had like a promo, like thirty second clip thing that was like, "Here's everything that's coming out in 2021," okay. and WandaVision was in it, and they're okay. like, everybody was like, "What the fuck, guy?" And like, and then that's when today pot dropped that it was going to come out in January. Everybody was like. Huh? Yeah, so now it's coming out, like, it's supposed to come out in December, Yeah, and now it's supposedly coming out January 15th, was yes, it? Yes, January 15th, 2021, which, and again, I saw somebody tweet out that, like, it's like, it sucks that it's not 2020, but it's only two weeks into 2021, so it's not that big of a deal. But it's, it's still, like, like, four weeks after when it, because you know, like, it would have come out probably around December 15th, so it's like a full month. Yeah, it would have been, like, December, it would have been whatever... The like last Friday is before Christmas because what they would have done, they would have dropped it there, knowing that all the people, all the teenagers and kids in college would have had the from then to the month, the next month off. Yeah. So then all of a sudden you have all these people at home with nothing to do, and they would be watching this show. Like yeah. they would have gotten insane numbers. Did you see the stat that um twenty twenty is gonna be the first year since two thousand nine without like a Marvel release. Yeah, zero Marvel releases in twenty twenty. But silver lining to that 
That we'll sets get, like a fucking dozen of them next year. Oh, literally in like four or five months span, we get like four MCU movies. Yeah, that's it's going much. to be so awesome. Hopefully, my bank account is gonna hurt really bad. But um, and then we'll get we'll get Wandavision, we'll get Falcon and Winter Soldier, um, and hopefully one of these like that is being made right now. And then we'll get the What If animated series as well from disney plus so right. and eternals and black widow shang chi shang chi shang chi and the ten rings can't wait for that that's gonna be awesome we'll see um and then there's another one that i can't oh spider-man we'll get this third spider-man movie oh the third spider-man's coming yeah. out next year mm-hmm. so we'll get like all four of those i seriously it's something like may or no now nah, oh they'll push one of those back and doctor strange they're not going to release... There's no way they're releasing four or five movies in one year. It's it's crazy no how many... Hold on. So Marvel... Or let's just do MCU release schedule. Because like when I saw it, I started to like do the math in my head of like what the dates were. And I was like, oh my god, this is going to be awesome. Uh, why? Why? Why would you do this to me, comic books? Um, May 7th, 2021 is now Black Widow. Shang-Chi is July 9th. Okay. Uh, Eternals, November 5th. Falcon Winter Yeah, Spider-Man's not going to come out next year. There's no Spider-Man way. Spider-Man Far From Home sequel, December 17th, 2021. Thor Love and Thunder, February 11th, 2022. And Doctor Strange, March 25th, 2022. Okay. So in the span of under a year, we get one, two, three, four, five, six movies. Six it's MCU movies. crazy. And probably at least a couple different MCU shows. Yeah. So, like, it sucks that this last year has been really bleak with MCU movies. Not even bleak. It's literally been non-existent, obsolete. Um, but next year, we'll hopefully make up more than enough for it. Yeah. That's assuming a lot with the way this last year has gone. But right. let's have hope, people, because WandaVision... And WandaVision looks good. I I, I really... we both. Yeah, well, yeah, WandaVision looks, like... Amazing. I love Paul Bettany, dude. Did you hear that they recorded or they filmed the first episode in front of a live studio audience? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's supposed to be like a sitcom type thing. Right, it's like a 50 sitcom. Yeah, so yeah. Like, I think that's going to be kind of a cool like subversion of, you know, different TV shows and what you would have expected from a superhero movie or a superhero show, I guess. Right. So I'm excited for that. We'll um, have more news as it drops closer um, so January 15th, what's today's date? The 12th. So we've got about two months. It'll be two months from Sunday. Um, yeah. So we'll try and get somebody on from WandaVision. We'll see if we can get anybody okay. from Disney+. Plus. I don't know. Um, yeah, that's the one we haven't like gotten anything, anyone from really, right? Yeah, because we really haven't tried. Like There really hasn't been anything. I don't want to give them the time of day because of Mulan. Wow. I haven't forgotten. Um, we should. I'm going to break down and watch that this weekend. Wait, when is it's it not come? free. Yeah, yeah, when's it become free? It's like early December. I think December 6th. Can we break in our embargo if it's free? No. Because technically we won't be giving them any more money. Well, I mean, we'll, 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 have, we'll, be ta- we'll be using the service we already pay for, I guess. That's what I'm saying, right? So, like, like ethically, I think we're in the clear if it's, we don't have to pay any additional money. Because, like, if we, if we don't cancel our Disney Plus subscription when it becomes free, we're technically being hypocrites, right? Because, like... Then we are paying for, true. So I think we should. Um, I think we should loosen the butthole a little bit, and we should. I'll let you watch it because okay. you're you're way more. You were way more hardcore, like set against it, and now I think you're like 
No, I wasn't. Not you didn't really. want to. Jesus Christ! Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> what was that? It's a loss. <laughs> you got that on on video, dude. <laughs> awesome. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, no, you because you were super pissed about that there was no Mushu and there was no. Oh Mushu. yeah, I, that's it, what I meant. I, w- I wasn't like overly pissed about the whole Uyghur thing. I was more mad about like yeah, they're making a live action Mulan and without Mushu, without like the whole nine yards. Yeah, and you didn't yeah, really yeah, want to yeah. watch it because of that. Did you before Precisely. like yeah, before all the trailers came out, you weren't really excited about watching it. No, I, my thing was, like, I'm not going to go see it in theaters. Like, okay. I'll 100% see, like, I would have seen that in Video On Demand. If it was free, yeah. I see, okay, I see what you're Or mean. even if it was, like, the normal, like, five bucks on Amazon. Not $30? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, If it was, I like, the normal mean. cadence where, like, it came out in theaters and then, like, two or three months later, it's on Amazon, you pay your five bucks to rent it, I would have totally done that, but not... Yeah, I wasn't going to go see it in theaters and definitely not fucking paying $30. $30 for it. That no was insane. No chance. Um, but yeah, there's our Moolah discussion that we haven't done in a while. You're I guess. In? Yeah, I had to burp. Um, but, okay. sorry. That is our Disney Plus. We will keep you guys updated on Miss Marvel. Um, Got another Moon Knight. Mandalorian and, tomorrow. Oh, I can't wait. They got to pick that up. Did we talk about. We haven't talked about like it the season so far, have we? Do you want to do the review of that before? No, no, no. I just All want right. to say like how like innate just just very strange. The last episode was insanely strange. I'm starting to see tweets of people who want to cancel Baby Yoda over it for eating the yes. frog lady's eggs. Yes, I mean that. Like that I've seen hilarious. a lot of tweets that are like, "Is this funny <laughs> or is this like Infest- really Infest- really Infest- weird?" Yeah, yeah infanticide, and I think it's both. <laughs> it's well, yeah, like it's it, okay. And here's the other thing: like you're getting upset about a small green alien eating eggs. Like if you're really upset about that, you need to reassess like what show you're watching <laughs> <Yeah>. currently. Like <laughs> uh, I'm <yeah>. sorry. <laughs> like if you're getting mad that you know Baby Yoda is eating the eggs of like you know what's that little cartoon? It frog? literally comes from a movie that had people with light swords. Like I'm sorry. Right, like yeah. it's not what we get to be upset about. What was that? What was that animated thing with the frogs in like British clothing? You know what I'm talking about? the hell are you talking about i don't know i'll research it we'll, we'll british it. clothing yeah like it was a like a children's book that got made into like a little animated thing and you know the like frogs and other like woodland creatures and like 1800s i like, vaguely guard. know what you're talking about was it it was a movie when did it come out i don't think it was a movie i don't know it was some fucking 90s thing that's weird right. i have no idea but we'll that's what this it. frog lady reminded me of Oh, I know exactly. Yeah, I know what you're talking yeah, yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, um, okay. Not no. Franklin, but like a more distinct Franklin. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Anyways, um, so yeah, Mandalorian has gotten real weird. It really needs to pick it the fuck up. Cause, like, that's, I, and that's what I was going to say. It's just like it's gotten to the point where it's like, okay, we need to like progress the story. Because forward. we ended the first season on like, you know, there was actually like a storyline to this goddamn thing. And now we're back to, like, spaghetti westerns and this random-ass, like... Side trips. Yeah, side quests. Like, get back to the main... But not only that, it's like... Main gig for You, me, you ended the last season with this, like, reveal of the dark saber and Moff Gideon, who's right, played by exactly. Giancarlo Esposito, and it's like, holy shit, like, this is awesome. And then no, like, zero mention No of reference it. of him in the first two episodes. In two hours of... And, and then... 
you have the first episode where it's like, hey, we've got Boba Fett back with his, like, armor. But then you tease Boba Fett at the end of that episode. And nothing happens. Nothing in the second episode. Yeah. And it's just like, hold on. Like, what the actual hell are we doing, guys? And I guess it's like... Was just two fanboys pissed off and bitching about it, and like there's more episodes. I mean, so maybe I like, we should like wait, but like the second episode of this season was like actually it, it was really pretty good, right? Like the X-wing scene being chased, like you know the Mandalorian <laughs> being chased by the X-wings, and he like cuts the engine, and yeah, that that was sick. Yeah, so like there's been really really cool parts of like both of the first two episodes, Timothy Oliphant. But but the overall storyline is just like it's what not, is happening. It's not going in a place where it feels like the overarching story is developing at all. Yeah, it feels like they're just gonna abruptly like pick up the main storyline at some yeah, point. Yeah, because the overarching story was supposed to be like, hey, he's gonna go find Baby Yoda's species, which means we're gonna go find some Jedi, and they're not. Well, that's the whole like doing that. The whole like they teased that in the first episode where they're like, we have to go find these sorcerers called jedis and somehow got completely sidelined by having to kill a dragon and now it's we're having to deliver eggs yeah we're basically an embryo shuttling system it's weird it's getting weird. hopefully it'll pick up because like i think wasn't the frog lady supposed to help him find a mandalorian which is supposed to help him find the jedis yeah so, so like hopefully when frog lady gets to wherever she's going like there's a mandalorian there it picks up there yeah i'm That's not hopeful optimistic though how many episodes are in this season uh, seven or eight okay uh we'll look real fast so the mandalorian hello max he's stretching he's such a good pooper uh chapter 12 episode nine uh eight okay there so we're eight episodes we're quarter through away through it yeah now. so there's a lot oh carl weathers directs an episode cool and dave filoni dave filoni is an x-wing fighter was super cool yeah so that's gonna be fun um batman john, yeah john favreau basically wrote the majority of this season well, yeah he's the showrunner isn't he yeah interesting um so we'll, we'll update you guys next week on The Mandalorian. Love with Abs. Uh, Love yeah. his cooking show on Netflix. I saw that his movie, Chef, that that's like a spinoff of. At yeah. Movie Training Company the other day, and I was like, oh, great movie. I don't know why I didn't buy that, actually. I think, it was Netflix. A, I think it was a new version of it, so it wasn't part of the deal. It's on Netflix. But I wanted a physical copy of it, Ryan. It's on Netflix. Whatever. Uh, so we are going to review a movie. Let's do it. Let's do the whole fucking place. Um, that is being released tomorrow by Sabin Films. It is directed by the Nelms brothers who were nice enough to come on and talk about this movie. It stars Mel Gibson and Walton Goggins and uh, Marianne Jean-Baptiste. And it is called Fat Man. Ryan, what is Fat Man about? Um, so... This is a heartwarming, heartwarming film about a young child who got coal in his stocking and decides to take out a hit on Santa. So uh, Walter Goggins is hired by this small child to hunt down and murder Santa Claus. If that doesn't get you on board for this movie right there, I don't know what the hell you're doing listening to this show. But Yeah, okay. like it. It's so funny. And I didn't tell you this yesterday, but... Uh, 
I told somebody else that's a friend of ours about this, and she is not a big movie fan whatsoever. I literally basically described it just like that and told her Mel Gibson is a Santa Claus, and she was like, I need to watch that movie right now. Uh, yeah. It is crazy. It is such a great premise. Like, And the other half of the story is that like Santa Claus, since there's so many bad kids in the world, that business has dropped precariously and you know the actual u.s government for the most part have been like subsidizing his christmas operation because it helps consumerism in right. america yeah like which is a economy. great which is a great like you know dig at the u.s like it's pretty funny but anyways like since there's so many bad kids there's not that many kids that get gifts and so the u.s government isn't sending as much subsidy and they're close to having to, like shut down the toy shop and so to like you know underwrite his toy operation he makes a deal with the u.s army or air force to manufacture um fighter jet parts at his factory it's a whole fucking like shit show of a movie but it is so amazing which and it's and it's underscored to show that you know kids are shitheads they've Santa goes on his like run on Christmas Eve and gets <laughs> buckshotted by like these shithead kids in oh, the yeah. Midwest. He, basically, he takes a bullet <laughs> during yeah. his fucking like Christmas uh, toy run. It's insane, dude. Yeah, and Mel Gibson. Like, let's talk. Let's 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 talk about the elephant in the room or the the jindo in the room. Uh, Mel Gibson plays Santa. Mel yeah. Gibson has had some controversies in the past. Interesting choice to play Santa Claus uh, at this point. It's but. like a great casting, and it's hilarious. Like watching him play Santa Claus, I really am worried that the fact that they casted Mel Gibson is going to have some detraction from the movie to where some people will. But like, okay, hold on, hold on, not, wait, wait, wait. Do you think anybody who like sees this trailer? And like thinks the premise of this movie is funny is then gonna be like, oh, you know what? I'm the type of person who's gonna have qualms about Mel Gibson's like personal life. No, anyone who thinks the premise of this movie is funny is not gonna give a fucking shit about like I'm what Mel Gibson has or hasn't done in the past. I'm not saying anybody who thinks this movie is going to be funny is gonna be like have a problem with like what Mel Gibson has done. What I'm worried about is somebody who just hears the premise and then goes and looks at like a review or something or looks for reviews. Mm-hmm. The people reviewing it right now do not like Mel Gibson, and so they're trashing this movie. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Because I mean, it now has like a forty percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and so that is my worry: is that because it is Mel Gibson, there is going to be that hate for it, and it's be and it's not going to be justified. I really don't think anyone who like sees his sees this trailer is going to give a shit what the reviews are. Like, if you see this trailer, you're going to be so. like, this is a hysterical premise. Like, I have to see this movie. It's not going to be like, oh, well, if it's above a 75% on Rotten Tomatoes, I'll check it out. You like, never know, man. You never know. Maybe. People, but. I think people do look at that sometimes and think about, like, okay, like, what is this movie doing? Oh, and yeah, for, like, the typical movie, yes. But, like, not... This movie is insane. Not like, the, it is like, hilarious. psychotic, you know, assassin after Santa Claus Christmas movie. I don't think many people are going to really... But you get my point. Like, I, I, I mean, yeah. It's, that is going to happen. And now, is it going to happen a lot? Probably not. But, like, the fact that it's going to happen at all is kind of bullshit and, like, shouldn't happen. You should just, like, watch this movie and enjoy, like, the absolute absurdity of it. Yeah. For another actor's specific reason. 
go and watch this just to watch Walton Goggins, Walton Goggins all over your screen. This yeah. is peak Walton Goggins. It is so much fun to watch him do his thing in this movie. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, gather the kids, gather grandma, get them together on Christmas Eve and watch watch Fat Man. Is that your review? Is that the interview review? No, I'm just saying. Oh, okay. Uh, Don't no. listen to the fucking critics. No, and that's and, I, and that's really why I wanted to bring that They're up. They're only mad because Mel Gibson's a clear anti-Semite. Yeah. So, and that's why we have to bring it up, because I don't want anti-Semite. Anti-Semite. Semite? Semite. 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 But that's why we have to, because I don't want to just be like, oh, this is a great movie, and then somebody's like, oh, you approve of what he's saying? It's like, no. Like, we can, we can kind of separate who he is from this movie and enjoy the movie overall because the movie is very enjoyable and it's yeah it's the other thing that i wanted to highlight through this was this is now a pattern for the nelms brothers of making very serious action-packed comedic subversion type of movies and they have their own style and it's going to be very interesting to see what they continue to do yeah because i mean Small Town Crimes, like, kind of did the same thing, where they took, like, an actor that was kind of typecast, and, like, John Hawks, like, has a character that he plays, right? Mm -hmm. Like, a soft-spoken, supporting character, and completely flipped it on its head, and made him this, like, alcoholic maniac, in, in their own words, like, you know... Literally. Yeah, who, you know, is an ex-cop, like, drunk, just insane, like... That movie was, it wasn't over the top. It was like had a really kind of down to earth storyline where mm -hmm. you know there's like an ex cop is hired to assist in a murder case or like trying to find out what's happened to this missing person. But holy shit, like they just took it over the top with Fat Man, where you know they took the like typical Christmas movie or like Santa Claus story. And completely subverted it mm -hmm. and did you know whatever the fuck they wanted with it like well it's interesting that they like basically said you know they look at santa claus as a superhero and he yeah. has super and and when i was reading on imdb one of their uh bios they said that they were super into superhero you know comic books back when they were kids so it's very obvious and it makes a whole lot of sense as you watch it to think like oh yeah, they really saw Santa as a superhero and somebody who has extra or super strength and it basically can read minds or whatever, or like knows everybody and like can know what everybody wants to do. And if they're not, but he like nice, knows everyone's backstory and yeah. like everyone's because you know the, the common parlance is like Santa Claus sees everything you're doing, and so he like quite literally knows everything about you yeah and so it's it's like that that that's such an interesting thing to do in this movie where it's like yeah he's a superhero who knows everything about you and he has super strength and mm -hmm. we won't give away the end of it but there's something at the end that is also another part of his superpowers and so yeah like that whole thing and it's like you you get to the end of the movie and you're like jesus christ yeah he's a freaking superhero and maybe an anti-hero basically because that's how the movie kind of ends it off. And it's like, holy shit, like, where could uh, this go? I wouldn't say that quite. Like, I would say he, like, was not kind of an anti-hero that, like, like kind of transitioned back into being, like, the true hero he was supposed to be. Yeah. Right? And we have, do have to talk about, like, the, the kid who 
hires yes. the hitman to go kill Santa Claus. Who is played by Chance Hurstfield. So this kid, th- like, this whole storyline is fucking hysterical. Oh, because he, this kid is, like, obviously his dad is some, you know, uh, jet-setting businessman who, like, doesn't make an appearance in the film whatsoever. He's always, like, out on business. And he lives with his grandmother and, like, a host of maids and servants in the home. And this kid's, like, this little, like, fucking, you know, Napoleon-type character. It starts off where he goes to the school science fair, and he's got four ribbons on his uh, jacket where he was the first-place winner in the past four science fairs. But another child, this little girl, actually wins the science fair, and he is a runner-up. So he hired, like he originally hires Walter Goggins to kidnap this little girl, and has her tied up in the basement of his home, and then threatens her with a car battery yeah. to make her go and tell the school that she had cheated in the science fair, so that he could then in turn get the first place ribbon uh, for the fifth year in a row. Fucking hysterical. And then it cuts to Christmas Eve, where he doesn't get anything. From Santa, because obviously he's a shithead. And well, he does get one thing. He gets coal, right? Yeah, lump yeah, of coal. He gets a lump of coal, you know, as is tradition. And he immediately calls Walter Goggins, like, I, I got a fucking job for you, bro. Yeah, and Walter Goggins had been... Collecting know, uh, toys from, from Santa. Yeah, and the re- trying to, like, because he has it out for Santa as well, because Santa did him dirty back in the mm-hmm. day also. And so he's been collecting, like, toys from the toy shop, trying to figure out where the fuck this guy lives and how he can, like, get back at him. Well, and the reason, and I don't want to, this is another spoiler, and this is another part of the movie that I really, really liked where they led this to. The reason that he was so at odds with Santa is kind of a tragic reason. And so when you see that and you finally hear that, you're like, oh, that kind of makes sense. But, like, you get to that point and it's like, Oh, Jesus, this guy just really, like, he gets his dream job where he gets to hunt down Santa. Like, yeah, exactly. To him, it's like, fuck, yeah, dude, like, let's go. Like, let's do this. But, like, the kid, as he did that car battery scene, I was like, this is just like an evil Bruce Wayne. Like, if Bruce Wayne wanted to use all the money to be a little shithead, like, this is, the, this is what he would do. Yeah, like, pretty much. This is what, if he wasn't going to be Batman, he would have been this kid. What, what was that movie that was, like, the dark Superman uh, Brightburn. Brightburn, yeah. This is kind of like... I thought of that too, yeah. This is kind of like Batman Brightburn-esque Which, type thing. They, the other thing I like compared it to is like, this kid kind of reminds me of like Scarface. Yeah. Like Al Pacino, you know? For sure. So funny, dude. It's just a fun... Like, we said this about Small Town Crime, um, which the Nelm Brothers also directed. We said it was a fun, very interesting movie on a... Just a good hour and a half movie to watch. It's nothing crazy or... Well, this is crazy. It's nothing spectacular. It's nothing that's going to like win any awards. But it's a good, fun, ridiculous movie mm-hmm. that you should go out and watch. And this is the exact same type of thing. And it's an even more ridiculous plot. Like, the trailer for it is so much fun. And the entire... It's an hour and 40 minutes. It is an, a fun hour and 40 minutes. So, like... Go watch this movie. This is another one that you should go. And I would have, I would have said that about this even if we hadn't had the brothers on. Like, yeah, sure. Like the brothers are super cool. Like the interview that we did and that will premiere here in a bit um, was a lot of fun. But this is something that we would have 
promote it and tell people to go watch anyways because it's a crazy movie. So, this is a very fitting uh, Christmas movie for 2020. Yes. Which, Ryan, what is your max Jindo head rating? Uh, I think I'm going to give this one a 3.75. You have a reason for that? You. Um, I mean... 3.75. All right. Yeah, was seven, I, you, you, what was yours? Four. Four? Yeah, I mean, I could easily give it like a four or two, but I mean... Yeah. It was good. It's I really fun. enjoyed it. I mean, it's it is it, you know, it's a hysterical like dark Christmas movie. It's a rewatchable enough movie that yeah, it's just a fun crazy flick that I think everybody should check out. You're definitely gonna have time if we go back into lockdowns to watch this. Don't but fucking say that. Man. Even over Thanksgiving, you could watch it or over your Christmas break, check it out because it is. It comes out. I said it wrong in the interview so you'll hear that in a little bit but uh don't listen to me in the first part of that but on vod on november 24th yes and also in uh, theaters today today so go check out fat man uh, with mel gibson walton goggins and marine jean baptiste and chance hurstfield so yep um, without further ado we talked about it a little bit and we were able to talk with Esham and Ian Nelms. They were great guys. We want to thank them again for coming on. And here they are. All right. So we are now uh, joined by the directors of the new movie um, called Batman. It is coming out today. And then on November 17th, it'll be available on demand, video on demand. Um, called Again, Batman. They also directed Small Town Crime. It is Esham and Ian Nelms. How are you guys doing? We're doing good, guys. How are you? We're good. We're good. good. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I was going to say real quick before we started this, it's weird how we found Small Town Crime. I was going through a video store that we had and just saw John Hawks and was like, okay, we need to watch this. Yeah. And we did, and we were like, I think halfway through it, we kind of just looked at each other and like, this is badass. Like, this is a crazy (laughs) That's so awesome. Especially for John Hawks playing like this like alcoholic badass cop is kind of like a scrape (laughs) of what he usually does. Yeah, that was a good so movie. That was, we just wanted to kick it off with that. But you guys have Fat Man, which came out. Um, it's, we're recording this on Thursday, but it's going to be come, this episode will be coming out Friday. Cool. So it's coming out November 13th and um, then on demand uh, November 17th. You guys started oh, 24th. shooting. 24th. 24th. Sorry. VOD's 24th. That's My right. It changed. It's 24th now. Okay, November 24th. Um, you guys started filming this back late 2019, early 2020. Um, and we're filming it almost right up until the pandemic started. What was it like, you know, filming this right before the pandemic and then obviously editing it and getting it ready during this pandemic? For sure. So we went over to uh, Ottawa, Canada, went up there. We ended up shooting, we ended up pre proing in November. So we went up to November, we started, and then right, we had to break for the holiday. Mm-hmm. And then we came back, we started shooting in January and we shot right up until March. And wow. yeah. yeah, so what's kind of interesting is, we wrapped the day before they shut down every production in Canada. Oh, the geez. day before. That's so, so lucky. Yeah. Such a narrow so margin for error because, you know, we would have never been able to finish the we film. We didn't have any, we didn't have a budget to go back and shoot any extra days. So it was literally like, if you don't get the film, you don't get the film. Whatever you don't have, you don't have. And that only happened because Mel Gibson's schedule pushed us up three, couple, three, yeah. two or three weeks earlier than we wanted to start. So at the time we were stressed because we were, we were hurrying and racing to yeah. get the movie up and going. But in the long run, it's the only reason we finished the movie. 
Obviously, Mel's schedule was working on different, uh, different <laughs> wavelengths. Uh, <laughs> and then coming in, coming back to California, now we're walking back into a pandemic zone, which we yeah. have no, no one, you know, we never made a movie under that condition before. So Ian and I edit the picture ourselves. And so we went and we retired to his humble basement. We moved all the editing equipment into his basement. And, uh, and then we sat there on our two setups, uh, dueling setups, and we edited the movie over the next four months. Yeah, we're basically front to front. So it's like the two wow. setups are like this, and then we have tables, and we both sit you know, like this. And the cool thing about that is, is we can literally just yell at each other and be like, hey, what do you think of this? Blah, 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 blah. You know, come look at this. And he'll spin yeah. around. And come look at this. And I'll spin around. And then it's really cool because uh, you know, we kind of just jump scenes. So it's like, I'll take one and two. Okay, I'll take three and four. And then it's like, boom, boom, boom. And then it's like, put them together. Boom. And then it's... You know, and then we kind of switch chairs on, on each yeah. other's edits. So like, come like, over here, sit in this chair. I'm going to go sit in your chair. Yeah, and then we kind of swap chairs <laughs> and look at each other's scenes. And we're like, oh, he fucked this up. Or, oh, that was fucked <laughs> Or, you know, then we switch again and you get back what he did and you're like, okay, you fucked this up. I had a great before. You know, <laughs> it's literally just like tossing the ball back and forth until we finally needle it to where we're both happy with it. We're like, is that good? Like, does that pass your shit test? He's like, yep, that passed my, okay, great. We're good. And then we, we call it quits and we move on. And I think that the editing process sort of echoes the writing process for us. Yeah. Um, so that, that process in the beginning is very tied together in that we'll brainstorm an idea. Uh, Ian, you know, is like a sprinter out of the gate. So we'll usually brainstorm something that night. And then it doesn't come. always work out that way, but I do get overly anxious sometimes. And we're like, we got this idea. And I'm like, oh yeah. Oh. And then it'll, like, you know, tighten it up. I got to do this. Exactly. Yeah. This is going down on paper right now. Yeah. pages show up tomorrow. I'm like, dude, I wanted to fucking write that. Too bad. Too slow. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll revise and we'll, we'll pass the draft back and forth until we're both super happy with it. Yeah. Jeez, man. Well, and okay. So, you guys did all of that. You were living together for four months and writing this during the pandemic. Was well, we don't, we, don't live together, we don't live together right now, but we lived together for the first like decade of our lives down here in LA. But I have since, I have a family and a, a wife and two kids. So I would be a, a, an unwelcome addition to the household. Uh, <laughs> a, permanent, a permanent addition. He yeah. could take you guys over. weren't like locked in during the quarantine. You could uh, split <laughs> yeah. up at the end of the yeah. day. But we it's were, it's exactly what it, it sounds like. For six months, we were in my basement editing the film and refining it. Um, and I was eating all of Ian's food. And, and he was eating all of my drumsticks that I have in the future for the kids. <laughs> the kids were like, where the hell are our drumsticks? Like, exactly. Why it's is our uncle Asham. stealing our food? Uncle Asham took them down, guys. Sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it would, be, it would be six months of us uh, editing, which was great because since the pandemic was on, there wasn't much to do anyway. And we kind of got to be creative, um, you know, yeah. while that was on and, and, and really have a nice distraction. So. Yeah, that part of it was amazing that for the, you know, some of the newer, worst part of the lockdown. We were there, there was some hiccups in, in when we got further on down the post uh, production chain. And so Ian and I are really passionate about the audience being that last stage of collaboration. Mm -hmm. And so we do a lot of test screenings. Um, it's like five to 10 people. And we'll do multiple. I mean, I think for, for Fat Man, we probably, we couldn't do it. But on some of our previous films, we've done like between five and 10 people. And we'll do up to 50 screenings private screenings in the house. Um, and, they, and they're very pointed. So, I mean, at first you start off and you're just screening your rough cut and you're kind of like, is this even fucking working, right? You're like, I pray to God people are at least getting what I'm hoping out of yeah. this thing. And then you refine that after a couple of screenings. And I think after you kind of have, after you kind of get your pacing problems and your arc or your story or your character or whatever, after those bigger ones start to kind of go away, you can start really tuning into the nuance of like, did you get this, thing you know like yeah. you're doing you're doing those screenings for five to ten people 
and you're taking note of everything that does or doesn't work for them and you're trying to preserve everything that does and you're trying to work on everything that doesn't and a lot of times you get you get to the point where it's the note behind the note you keep hearing that this or this is something or other and you're not quite sure what the fix is or even what the problem is and then pretty soon you fix something you hear and then someone either eloquently says it and it hits you and you're like oh shit like the reason they're not feeling that here is because we forgot to set that up 15 yeah. minutes earlier. Damn. Okay. We need to get this and reappropriate it and put it up there. Or man, we had that in there and we took it out or, you know, and you start finding that area and then you solve it. And then you're like another screening. And then you're like, did we solve it? And then mm-hmm. a lot of times, sometimes those things are so nuanced that you'll do two or three screenings and it won't pop up again. And you're like, Oh, we solved it. Thought we'd figured that out. And then like, another screening comes up and it's up again. And you're like, damn, yeah, it's back. <laughs> why is it back? You know? And then, then you're going through a whole new process again. But yeah, that's really valuable to us is we're honing in on our story and our, and, and our character. Eventually like where we like to land is when we show it to people, you know, and it's, let's say it's seven people, every one of those seven people have a different quibble. Oh, well, I would have done this differently. I would have done that differently. I've done that. Well, then, you know, it's, like, just okay. some, it's just their subjective and opinion. And once you do that a couple of times, you get three or four or five screenings like that, and it's kind of what it is, and people are generally liking it, hopefully. Then you then you, you know you've kind of landed where you're at. You know, you're like, okay, I think we're in a good spot now. Like, but, it's, but it's when you do those screenings of six, six, seven people, and three or four of them point at this particular moment or that particular moment, you're like, okay, that's a real problem we need to fix. Yep. Yeah. Were y'all able to do any like virtual screenings or anything for this, or do you just? Well, kind of, on like, this one, that's all we could do, right? There yeah. were no, there was no like, let's all get together. Communal screening. Experience. Yeah, so we we would send it out one on one, and I think we sent it out to seventy or eighty people, and then we would wow. in we did individual interviews slash questionnaires slash focus calls, group yeah. with phone calls with every one of those seventy or eighty people individually, and wrote down notes, and we're just trying to do, we had to do it that way. It's the only way it worked. So you guys did this personally yourselves, like all seven, oh, yeah. eight. Jeez. Oh yeah, a lot of work. That's that. That reminds me. We did an interview back over the summer, and there was a guy who was like, he had put out a movie for, called Easy Does It, and he called theaters one by one just to get it into the theater. So like, oh uh, yeah, that just level of like commitment to like. Well, he was one, calling drive-in theaters. Yeah, drive-in because there weren't even like any theaters open. That's insane. So when when people saw this, you know, those private screenings. What was their first reaction to Mel Gibson as Santa Claus? Because that's and and Walton Goggins a as really his, really rough Santa Claus. Yeah, too. like what was the reaction to that Santa Claus? To be honest, they were really positive, <laughs> <laughs> and we heard a lot of "This is fucking awesome!" Like, holy <laughs> shit! Like, wow! I mean, I think we, especially since you have to realize that a lot of those people, I we mean, would, we would just give it to them cold. We wouldn't tell. We would. We wouldn't tell them what it was really you we would just say hey we've got this crime thriller with a comedic undertone that hey we want to want you to watch it as stars mel gibson and walton goggins and they're like oh fuck that sounds cool let me let me watch that and then you know which was great because 20 or 30 minutes into the film when we pretty much reveal that it's santa claus everyone has that kind of moment that you do when you watch the trailer you're they're kind of like whoa wait a minute what the fuck this guy's santa (laughs) claus holy shit like, you know, you may think that it's a movie where he's going to become Santa Claus or, you know, it's what like, that those tropes are kind of playing, but you don't think that he's already there or that it just rolls out so hopefully easily and nicely for you that you're, you, it's kind of bold. It kind of slowly <laughs> takes you over and you're just like, holy shit. I didn't know I was watching Santa. Like, wow. I remember a lot of people were like, this is, I can't believe it. It's Riggs, 
He's 65 and he's Santa. <laughs> <laughs> he's like on the door of retirement too. Yeah, right? it he's looks like, like he's about to be <laughs> done. Like, no, like he's going to be in this for a while. Uh, it's such a crazy story. And I'll never forget like watching the trailer and then showing you and you're like, dude, we have to watch this. Oh, like, yeah. This movie's insane. <laughs> and then we got like 30 seconds into it and we knew it was he's supposed to be Santa Claus and he's just taking pot shots at the like <laughs> – you know, beer cans. Like, yeah, we're pretty sure we're going to like this. This is going to be awesome. Uh, where did this idea come from? Like when you guys were writing this together, who just had this come about? Cause it is such a wild story. Well, I think, look, honestly for us, uh, it excited us to explore something that hadn't really been done cinematically before. And so we've all seen Santa as Tim Allen, right? A little more kid friendly, you know, overall fair we've all seen a sociopath that comes down your chimney and wants to murder you in your sleep and ian and i'm like what <laughs> yeah kind of he can like just breaking it in or into your yeah, house so, basically yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so what ian and i felt you know what like there's a take we could do we take this fantastical character we ground him we give him some hu real human idiosyncrasies and foibles and then we were like he's kind of a superhero already like he has like superpowers he's like he lives forever. He fucking flies around in a magical sleigh. He can like get inside your head and know what you're thinking. You've been naughty or nice. Like we we're like, how far can we take this? And like, how do we ground this into like, cause we we're big fans of things like, like Unbreakable, where they take a superhero genre and like yeah. really fucking ground it. And you're like, you didn't even know he was a superhero till an hour into the movie, you know? And then like all of a sudden he's bench pressing 800 pounds and like, you know, like you're like this guy's fucking yeah, and, and then Sam Jackson is revealed to be the villain, and you're just like, oh, this oh. man, he's great, you know. And so, so those are the sort of like atypical superhero genre kind of genre we, mashing that we were really excited about doing. And of course, we're like we're Shane Black fans, we're Tarantino fans, we're Clint Eastwood fans. So you've got some of that Western vibe in there, and you've got some of that Dirty Harry in there, and you've got you know, you've got you've got these kind of Lethal Weapon fans, you know, Die Hard. I mean, all these things are sort of coming into play, but we're also fans of movies like uh, HUD and Last Picture Show and like these very intimate character pieces that are sort of about the They're more dramatic that we grew up in, you know, and about the people we grew up with. These, this very blue collar, uh, working, class. working class human being that's having a rough time with his business as he's trying to find out figure out how to make it last and how to get out of the slump he's in. And those, those themes obviously relate you know, to today, as it's like those themes when we wrote it 14 years ago, like they seem to just, you know, become more and more relevant, more relevant as time goes on. But <clears throat> yeah, that's kind of where the idea came from. And then it was like, how do we ground us? What are the rules? What are his powers? How would this actually be a real person? And that's what we were really excited about doing was introducing, I'm good, introducing, uh, <laughs> I go all day, uh, introducing these, introducing these characters to you as human beings and then you getting the fantastical elements of them later as after you've been introduced to them as people and hopefully understand and attach to them as who they are as a human being first, you know? And then it's like, oh shit, he's Santa. Oh shit, that's right. We're playing with the, with the Christmas tropes here. Oh, that's right. You know, like he's got a sleigh. Oh, and we didn't want to show yeah. like, as far as like the idea of, <clears throat> oh, like how much of this Christmas fantastical lore. Christmas lore yeah. do we want to see? Well, we've got some reindeer in there. We've got a sleigh in there, but no one's like shooting across the moon. And that's absolutely on purpose. We were like, every movie does that. Like 
that's not anything we're going to improve upon or like now he's got rockets or what who cares i've seen it a thousand times like <laughs> military put a rocket on the back so we were just like like let's skip that i don't i'm not interested in that with this film i'm interested in seeing the in-between moments or the before and the after moments what's he like before he leaves the house What's he like? Yeah. What are he and he and Ruth like in their most intimate moments? Right. Like what I've never seen. Dude, does does Santa have sexy time? I don't know. Is what kind of guy is he? Like he's a guy. They're a couple. Like they've got to have like a warm intimate relationship. Intimate relationship. And a lot of those somewhere. A lot of the, uh, we were gonna get a, a bear Santa ass scene, and I was like, that that might be a little too far. <laughs> <laughs> We kept it classy. We kept yeah. it classy. <laughs> Come on, Ryan. But that was the but that was the impetus of it is to like how do we ground it? How do we get the human being element of it? And how do we how do we like we did, we wanted to skip all the over the top tropes, right? And we wanted to ground the elves and we wanted to ground everything and just and just give you something that you could relate to. Um and that felt real, man. Like what would this really feel like? And if he's having a tough time, like, okay, let's build a world, you start to realize why he's having a tough time because everything's kind of falling apart and it's like, how do I fix this? You know, now he's got to, now he's got to figure out how to fix it. So, uh, switching like gears a little bit, how many child actors did you go through before you settled on the one that you casted for this? Because I can only describe this kid as like a mini Al Pacino Scarface that's now after Santa Claus for, like Al Pacino, like mixed with Bruce Wayne. Like, yeah, like, a little bit. Just evil Bruce Wayne who like has a hitman, basically. Alfred is like a hitman. Instead of know, Alfred, he's yeah. got his grandmother. Yeah. Right. Who's also probably evil. Well, she was, right? Like, yeah. So look, we, we, we looked at a lot of uh, audition tapes. Um, it was a real 80s sort of star, star search kind of vibe as we like were watching every tape you could imagine of someone coming in in that age group from like 9 to 12 giving us their take on it and chance just freaking leapt out man we like watched his and we're like oh my god he's so good and, we, and then when he was so good we said is he too good because we're like you know yeah. because instantly you say okay is this is this young man acting or is this is he this young man really bring him on set because yeah like, i mean that was a legitimate concern we're like okay like we need to talk to this young man and we need to get him on skype and like see who he is is he a maniac we can't bring a maniac on the set so like we we talked to him and like he couldn't have been a sweeter, smarter, more precocious young man. And like, we were just like, Oh my God, this kid's like really smart. He's really sweet. Like, and then, and then he was like on the, on the Skype, he's like, you want me to do anything different? And we're like, well, I guess, yeah. Well, what do you think about this little note? And, and he was like, okay, okay. And we're like, we're like, yeah, you know, think about it. Take some time. Work make with a your video, acting coach. Work with your acting coach. And he's like, no, 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 I'm ready to do it right now. Okay. I, I, I have digested it. I'm ready to go. We're like, okay yeah all right he's like no I, I like this bring it and we're like okay so we give him a note boom he's like pirouettes amazing yeah. he's amazing with with like one little note and then he's like anything else and we're like damn that was well, now we just want to see what he can do right so, we're like, we can do it. so we give him another note <laughs> and another like flawless pirouette we're like holy shit and it was great because we we actually you know we were trying to give him time to record it and and, and take his time with it but what it really did was cement to us that this kid's really good and he can make adjustments really quickly. And, you know, we don't have all the money in the world on this thing. So we're time is definitely of the time essence. is of the essence. And a lot of times you have an hour to get a scene and it's like, okay, how are we going to light this? And this kid's only got 15 minutes now to like nail this. He's the kid. Like that's where you take the most time is trying to dial this kid's performance in. Whereas chance 
would come in 110% ready to go on, on the money and you, you could do little dial adjustments. You do whatever the hell you want because he was good enough to pirouette on a dime yeah. and turn it. So he would, a scene you'd think with a normal child actor or a young actor that you would have to sort of, you know, inch your way through or get all, because you're trying to get all these layers and all these different dynamics to the character. And he would just, you give him a note or two and man, he'd get five takes at it. In, in 15 minutes, which is a lot, you get five or six takes at it and you nailed it. And you're like, okay, I guess we could do another one or we could just cut early, you know, honestly. Yeah. He was great, he was so good. He was awesome, especially the uh, car battery scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh nice. No. Yeah, and I mean, again, like a, a, skilled, a skilled actor coming in and underplaying those lines and, and really delivering that scene. Like he did such a great job in that scene. That's not easy to play for a kid, especially who, who, you know, you could easily get a mustache twirling villain in that moment, which could ruin the moment, you know? Well, the, the other actor that is in that scene is Walton Goggins. And he's started to get a lot more acclaim within the last probably three to four years. He's mm -hmm. doing the yeah. unicorn, which I guess is coming back today. Um, and he has this uh -huh. movie and he was in Justified Deadwood. He's an amazing actor. So good. He's so unique. What was it just like, basically, was he the first person that you thought of for this role? And when he got onto set and he was starting to really kind of play with it, what was his reaction to the stuff that you were giving him? So I think the, the first thing that, that, that Walton was, he wasn't the only person we had talked to about the role of Skinny Man. We were probably at about a dozen people we were talking okay. to about that role. But I will say, once we sat down with him, he was undeniably Skinny Man. He was like, he, I remember at this coffee shop and he's, and he's, and he, we're, we're, we're getting excited. He's, we're geeking out. He stands up, he starts doing the part. This is a crowded coffee shop. People are all around, you know, yes. he's, he's delivering lines. We're, we're like, this is the guy. Like, I cannot wait. Like he work. could just, he has this great ability. I think, you know, you see it on set and that's a little more of a coveted environment, a little more sheltered environment, right? Where, you, where everyone's quiet. You know, and then you have, okay, I'm going to get in my zone. Don't walk past my eye line. That's not ever an issue, but I'm just saying like, you want to give them that kind of protection so they can fucking get in the, you know, whatever, get in the moment, nothing to take them out. And whereas Walton's able to sort of channel that in any environment, I, he could probably be in the middle of New York city street and fucking all of a sudden a busy one. And all of a sudden just fucking dial something to 10 and be there and be able to let everything else fall away. He's just that guy. He's got such great skills at just kind of committing and leaning into something and being there. And we noticed it right away. So, and when you're working with him on the set, it's great because he kind of keeps everything at a low simmer all the time. He's not, he's not sitting there as skinny man, oh, they address me as skinny or, you know, there's none of that craziness, but like you talk to him in between takes yeah, and you're guy. like, hey man, yeah, right, right. <laughs> we've heard stories. Yeah. But he, so he would, he would be just simmering. So he's like, out taking a second, getting some air or whatever in between takes or whatever he's doing. Maybe you want to ask him something about lunch or maybe you want to say, hey man, what do you want a chicken or beef or whatever, you know? And he's kind of like, let's go with the beef. You know, it's always kind of like in character, although he's answering everything as Walt, it's kind of at a simmer just beneath the surface is Skinny Man lurking, which was always really fun and funny um, and awesome. So he's, he's so great to work with, man. He's so much fun. And I think as far as the character of, uh, of Skinny Man, Walton, I know we, we really drilled down on that character with him. We, we, uh, you know, through his collaboration, evolved the character. Um, when he's sitting there in front of the camera, he's giving you so many different alts. I mean, he's doing 
you know, he, not he, alts where he's like, you know, riding across on a unicycle, like alts, like outside of the character, outside of the scene, or like things that don't work. He's giving you little nuanced nudges to certain things, or he's dialing it up to 11 for a second, coming back down to 10. You know, like he's giving you little movements inside that character and that in, 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 in the scene to where when you get into that editing room, you have, you have yeah. some options and it's like, oh man, let's try this really funny one. Ah, shit, it's a little too funny, doesn't quite, it's tipping, you know what I mean? We're tipping into farce or we're, whatever. Like he gives you everything you could imagine to have as an option in that editing room. It's like, oh shit, I wasn't thinking about it on the day, but I'm really glad he gave us this one that was really somber or this one that was really funny or whatever because it works better in this transition. You know, like, yeah, he, he's such a talented guy, man. He's got, he's got so many gifted, different gears. You know, he's, on, he's, he's, I, I don't know. There's not anything I don't think that guy could do, you know? I could have totally seen him riding a unicycle though. Like, <laughs> that montage. <laughs> that would fit really well into that montage. Just around his apartment or something. Yeah. yeah. I will yeah. say, Walton could have pulled it off. And, 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 <laughs> and, and yeah, honestly, like, Walton will go hard for you. And, he'll, and there, are time, there are times where he's like, y'all, I just want to go, I want to go all out. This might be a little too much, but I'm just going to go all out. And he would do something really funny. Just let me go. Uh, sometimes those are in the movie. Yeah. And sometimes it's a little too much. And he had to pull back a touch. But I'd say the, the couple of that, like when you're saying like collaborating with him and talking to him about the character, like he absolutely is like, okay, what do y'all see this as, you know? And then starts forming his own attack plan, you know? And I think even in those early meetings, we were just kind of like, yeah, he's like, he what's goes, Mel, what's Mel doing? Because he goes, yeah, he wants to know what Mel's doing. And like, is Mel going to be really grounded? Like, what am I What am I playing against? You know what I mean? And then it was like, okay, after those initial questions are over, he goes off and like attacks. And like a month or two later, he shows up on set, like, got the haircut, fucking dialed. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and you can make little adjustments. And honestly, you could probably throw the whole thing out and start again. And he wouldn't like, you know, whatever. But he's he's got something amazing prepared for you. So that when you're like action, you want to see his, you want to see him do do what he does for two or three takes because that magic that's inside of him is what you paid for. That's what you're after. That's what you want. You know, that's why he's on. That's why he's here. So we just let him go. And then it's like, well, let's try one a little bit of this or hey, or he's like, hey, let me try this one where I do this thing with this napkin. We're like, all right, fucking great. Yeah, go for it. And then, but I think the two main things that we talked about, and it's just two words, like it was like unpredictable was right, one of the yeah. big words one of the big character traits that we wanted to that character. Um, dangerous was another one, but it's like unpredictable and um, uh, not necessarily particular, but almost neurotic. We wanted him yeah. to have a neatness to him. We wanted him to have a fastidiousness. A yeah. fastidiousness. Uh, yeah, there's, we wanted a particularness to this character that he was very precise about certain things he did. And then, of course, Walton brings in that wonderful voice and some of those wonderful moments. And I mean, even the way he picks up a hamster and kisses it and then drops it back in is all very like, you know. Uh, That's just Walton bringing that to the scene. Like, Yeah, like it's all very particular, though. And it's all a certain motion, you know, like it was all very like he would do certain things. And it was just it was fucking and, great to watch. And honestly, movie. like there's you guys saw the film, but like there's a montage sequence in the film. And driving we just got in a car with walton and spent like five hours and drove around we for actually five drove hours. oh yeah for five hours in the back of that car and, and then, like we would pull over like hey pull over here we ran into the the walmart and like just bought a bunch of shit and threw it at him and we're like hey drink the soda like eat this like do that and he's like pulling into drive-thrus it was 
probably the most fun we like, like the probably the hardest thing was cutting that five hours down <laughs> to 25 we, seconds or whatever it is you we know? could have made an entire film out of that a road trip you know it's like a two-day adventure five hours of fucking footage him driving I need a documentary of that road trip because that sounds yes, like it was so badass. Like there was one moment where he was literally spinning donuts in a parking lot. I mean, it was fucking. <laughs> we were having so much fun, dude, and he was fucking laughing hysterically and manically, and like it was fucking amazing, man. Like, but you know, those moments were either a little big or they took a little long, or it was just wasn't quite what yeah. we needed at that moment. You know, we got to get in and out of this, and we got to. What are the most important moments of this journey that we kind of need to show? to you know not only put you with this guy for a second to make it feel real but also give you a little bit of a chuckle sometimes you know but i think the, the other part about that montage and we're talking about a 25 second montage a lot but it's one of the Where better he's best driving yeah, from united states to canada to, to the, the north, north pole, pole. Yeah. yeah yeah but it's like the, it's one of the best parts of the whole movie and uh oh what was my question i had a whole question about it Don't, gosh. oh it's most of the time when you see movies like that where a character goes from one location to another it's just like all of a sudden they appear there and it's like okay you never see that journey and right. that's one of the best parts you see the whole journey and you can feel that across you know basically a whole country was that on purpose or was that just kind of a unexpected you know accident for that we wanted to we wanted to definitely i mean you can see those bits that are in there as you learn a little bit more about the guy you know he goes into the hamster store and, you know the pet store and you learn a bit about about his mother and a couple other things and what kind of person he really is yeah. underneath there you know like, like we just didn't want to make him like oh he's a bad man and that's it yeah, yeah like, and what motivates him why is he like that he's a result of his environment and we that would have been the best line in the movie is when he tells the the pet store owner like you, you remind me of my mom <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm, I'm definitely using that at yeah. some point. <laughs> and, and, like, no one can deliver those lines like Walt, right? No, exactly. I mean, the dude is just amazing. Yeah, we, I mean, and I mean, and and as far as that little, that little, I mean, the, ever, yes, we, we absolutely were trying to pace out. Okay, he stops at the Canadian border, and and even at the Canadian border, there's two things that happen there for him as a character. One you get to see him have this sort of moment of psychosis where he's thinking about killing the woman behind the fucking, the, the booth. The booth. <laughs> yeah. You go into this moment where it's kind of floating into him and he starts kind of going, what if I kill this woman? Like how many people are around, you know, like he, and he's wondering if he's going to get across the border. He's, he's, you, you get to see him like go into crazy mode, but then pull back for a second because it's going to be a lot better for him if he just slides through. Yeah. And then you get to see him be really confident. You get to see him say some certain leading or, you know, like where he says, I'm here for hunting. I'm going to kill some things. You're like, that was fucking brash. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. guy's confident as fuck. Like, this guy's going to kill. He has a car at that point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, we were just having, and like, even when he drives up there, he drives up, like, revs the fucking like engine. He goes up there, like. He's so like, fuck you to the establishment, you know? And even though it's just a person in a fucking toll booth, that re represents something to him. Mm -hmm. um, and then we just threw some Reddit herrings in there, you know, he's gonna pass certain things uh, that you're like, oh, is this where this happens? And like, oh, nope, that didn't happen. You know, like, like at the Alaska sign and you're like, oh, wow, that, I think that's gonna turn into something and it doesn't. Like we love doing that in the movie of, of throwing these things at you uh, to throw you off the scent pretty much, you know? Because you think that it's going to go a certain way, I think, at certain points. That's the idea, is that you think it's going to, your mind, because when you watch a movie, 
you're, you're constantly like trying to get ahead of it. And it's not something that someone's doing to be annoying. It's just something your brain does. It's something human brains do. They try to get ahead of the story. And whether you're speaking them out loud, the, you know, you're the a-hole at the party trying to ruin the end of the movie, or whether you're just, <laughs> everybody has it. You know what I mean? It's going on internally. So we like to fuck with you in those realms when you're watching the movie of like, oh, it's going to go here. I know it's going to go here. And whether you're saying that loud or that's happening internally and then it doesn't go there, it gives, it gives such a great moment when you go in the left direction yep. when they thought you were going to go right. And then you, and they're like, well, wait a minute, fuck. I don't know where I'm at in this. And I don't really know what to expect. This fucking thing could do anything. Holy shit. Like it gives you this paranoia and this kind of like moment of like, oh, fuck. I don't know where I'm at right now, you know, in a good way that we want you to be like fucking trying to figure this shit out and you can't. That's what that's the vibe we're going for. Well, that's what made the movie so much fun because, like, you get maybe halfway through the movie and you stop and realize, wait, okay, the U.S. Army or yeah. Air Force is at the North Pole building component parts for like a fighter, like a fighter jet. jet. <laughs> what the fuck is going on in this movie right now? <laughs> yeah, we definitely want to throw a lot of curveballs. I mean, and that that actually came about as us just having a, a frank discussion of like. Okay, well, what? How does that go? Would really work, right? And, and that came through some research. I mean, it actually is a, a phenomenon that's happening where these control panels for these fighter jets are so elaborate and so labor intensive that very few American uh, fighter jet panels are made in the U.S. They farm them out to like China and India, which is kind of amazing to think about. You're farming out some of your most elaborate yeah. technology for fighter jets, something you use to defend the country. And you're farming it out to countries that you're not exactly 100% friendly with. And, and then they're and sending them back to you to put into massive machinery. million dollar airplanes. That you would use <laughs> to defend yourself against them. And like, then we're surprised when they magically have like an exact replica. Of, yeah. Like, like yeah, exactly. And, exactly. So, and so we were like, oh, it's like a national security thing. Like that's why he's like, they come to him with this. And even though we don't go down the rabbit hole on that, because then we're into God knows where with the movie. But yeah, these are the sort of levels of these discussion. These are the sort of discussions <laughs> we're having and why. I think you head down certain paths and you get enough details. And you're like, well, that seems legit. Jesus, where are we going with this? And then, I mean, it ends up being that they're there to serve two purposes. I mean, they're there to be the entire reason, you know, Chris is depressed telling those elves what he has to do. And that it's amazing that in a, like in a military complex, you know, sort of has to come in and take over and sort of regulate. And I mean, they've never worked under those auspices before. And then, the other part of it is they, they're a wonderful, you know, guard for Skinny Man to come in through mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, we don't make, the elves aren't, they aren't violent people. They don't have guns or even slingshots to defend themselves. They're very worker oriented. They love working. It's what they're all about, you know, eating sugar and working. Old diets. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, those are, and those were the levels we're going through of like, what? do we know about elves and the mythology and like what can we play with and what can we have wouldn't it be interesting to match them up with 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 military and we try not we don't play the military as villains i mean it's it's a dark thing that happens to it's a dark thing that happens to chris's factory but it's, it's a necessary uh but they're asked to gain an end. right but they're people too and there's, there's no like a there's like a villainry going on it's more like yeah okay well, we're gonna have to fucking figure out how to work together you know and what excited us was like the sort of mutual admiration that happens by the end of it where jacobs right. is sort of enamored with the with the working dynamic like the cut of your gym <laughs> you know those kind of moments it's like th those were so much fun to play with and those actors robert and uh eric eric were so so good, man. They did such a good job of uh, again, you know, keeping something grounded that could easily go into 
mustache, you know, recycle land quickly, you know, it could be real stupid real quick. And we were really trying to ground it. So they did a great job. They're so great at it. When you have a, so at the end of that montage, he stops at a convenience store. And if you look really closely, the convenience store is Nelm's Convenience. <laughs> right. that, is that the first of like an Easter egg for y'all? Or, or do you kind of sprinkle stuff like that throughout this and Small Town Crime? Well, that is a, a an amazing surprise for us uh, when we showed up on set that day because our uh, production designer, Chris August, would throw shit like that in there to, awesome. you know, have some fun. And he threw that one in there. There's some like badges on all the machines. On all the machines that are in Santa's workshop, there's like a Nelms Enterprise brass uh placard placard on the side of them you can't see it we never we never yeah prominently but they're it. there and if when you get close and move by them if you were to freeze and sort of close to the left 25 times you'd be able to see that you know there was a there was a piece going through some of our, our previous films that didn't quite make it into this one but we had put my 84 volkswagen band in like all four of our previous movies <laughs> in some way or another it didn't make it into this one because we were in canada and he couldn't drive it up there it didn't drive it up there good but, um, and then I guess there's names we reuse over and over again. Like a really good friend of mine from high school, his name's uh, <laughs> one of the last names in the movie we keep using over and over. It's in every one of our films, but yeah, we just keep using his last name because he's near and dear to us and it's fun to put him on weird characters. <laughs> um, yep. Now I've got, I've got one more for you. Um, and it's something I, talked about a little bit um, on Twitter today, but you guys have in Small Town Crime, it's a uh, 70 Chevy Nova. And then the car that he is driving in this movie is very, very similar to that. What about those types of cars are really interesting to y'all and, and make you want to put those back into your movies? So I think there's two, there's two reasons. So the first one in, in Small Town Crime is a Nova. And in high school, we had a friend that drove a badass Nova like that. Very much like that. And we loved that car. I remember he took us for a drive in it during lunchtime one time. And like this force of that car's acceleration threw us back in our seats. And we were just like, this is an amazing automobile. So we've always had a reverence for the Nova. And so that was what, that was the motivation of putting it in small town crime. And then on, and plus because the character, it matches the character because he's kind of a maniac. You know, John Hawks in that movie. Like, yes. He's so freewheeling and like, fuck it, tossing it to the wind every five seconds. Like, that car matches him so well, you know, as a character. And that's why it, we wanted to put that in there. Yeah. And then on Fat Man, uh, we were really excited about putting uh, Walton in the same car, which is a Monaco police car that the T800 drove in Terminator. And so when he pulls up that, don't want to ruin the ending here, but I guess I just did. But when he pulls up that toy that means something to him, Yes. Um, that is the same make and model as the car he drives, but oh. it's not a police car. You okay. know what I mean? It's almost yeah. like he's driving the right car. It just does not he have... Took the, he took the antithetical yeah, and it's, approach. Which, which we thought was a great approach. symbol. Of course, it's pretty layered, but it's a great symbol of like, you know, he's not a police officer, which is what he should have been, mm -hmm. but he's could've a... Could have been, should have been. He's a fucking maniac driving the same type of car just without the police equipped, you know, version Badging, of it. Yeah. So it's, it was, it, we liked it because it was a callback to what, as in the movie, Chris is giving gifts and that's what his, like he gives things to people that have a propensity towards something, something to help them yeah. in their lives or something to encourage them in a certain direction. And uh, we liked that because it was a real callback to, to how it could go wrong, you know, like 
how this kid was meant to go this way. Yeah. And yeah. meant to be a police officer. And he went this way. Ended up being a hitman. <laughs> yeah. Still drives the same still drives police same. model car. And probably has the same mentality, but it's negative, you know? Like he's he's mm -hmm. very like by the book. You know, you can see him being a cop if he if he was on the good side. Alternate universe. Yeah, in an alternate universe, he could be a good guy going out to determine to scrape the negativity and the evil out of the world, you know, but he's he tipped he, the other way. He tipped the other way and he's a hitman. You know, he's Could a been some like spec ops like yeah. you know, Ranger or something like that. Which you right. see him like yeah. like spec ops like style as he's like going into the workshop. Like that's very much an army like, Yeah well amazingly, fortunately for us, we didn't have to pay for it, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Walton Walton uh did a like a SEAL Team Six type movie. I might even be the title of it. Anyway he did like a SEAL Team Six type movie where he went and got trained as a Navy SEAL for weeks. Shit. So that's one of the things he told us right off the bat when we were talking to him. And he, you know, he saw that in the character. He want he's he's a man who needs to know how to handle a, a gun and know how to be tactical when he moves into an environment. Um, well, our idea was a skinny that. man had definitely self-trained. Yeah, because I mean, we we have him as like he's in there practicing shooting. He's in there practicing jujitsu. Like he's constantly like. Oh, trying to better that. himself as an assassin, you know, like, but he's all self-taught because he's just got too much hubris to take any, uh, you know, any uh, direction from anybody. <laughs> no, and that's like with the superhero, th I don't know the superhero thing, but, you know, showing, you show these kids who like got a, a play set that was like a cooking thing and then one Fire, uh, fireman, fire, and yeah, she became a firefighter. So you see like how these kids were spurred along on their career path because of the things that they got. And so, yeah, you see like, and I don't want to give any spoilers away, but with Skinny Man, he obviously didn't have that, but he knew the path that he wanted to take. But because he didn't have those role models or whatever in his life, or he didn't get the breaks that maybe those kids did, he went down a completely separate homicidal path. path. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. It's such a crazy, fun ride of a movie. Uh, definitely... It's Definitely be like top five Christmas movies. Yes, yeah. <laughs> no that warms the heart, guys. Thank you. Yeah, so it's, it's just a fun, you know, Christmas movie to go check out. Um, I said November 17th earlier, but it's actually November 24th, um, video on demand. It comes out today in select theaters throughout the United States. There's a couple here in our area. Um, so go check out on Fandango, see where it's playing, um, or just wait till the 24th to watch it at home. But it's Fat Man. Um, guys, thank you for coming on. This has been a lot of fun. We're excited for uh, your future projects, and we'll definitely have you guys back on uh, for your next movie. Alex awesome. Ryan, thank you so much for having us, brothers. Thanks for having Appreciate us, guys. It. Thanks, guys. Take, Take care. care. Bye. All right. Night. And that was the Nelm brothers. We want to thank them again, Esham and Ian, for coming on. They were a lot more energetic than I was expecting. That yeah. was a ton of fun. It was super fun. Um, we are excited to see what they do in the future. They obviously can put out a movie very fast. So um, Yeah, why don't you give us a uh, little John Hawks crossover with uh, Walter Goggins? That'd, dude, be that'd be insane. Yeah. I'd watch the shit out of that. Um, sick. So we thank them again. We want to thank um, Sabin Films and also... Um, their reps for helping put that together. That was really awesome of them. So we appreciate that. But uh, yeah, this has been a sweet episode, Ryan. Oh, so much fun. Episode number, I think this is 55. So really? Yeah. Um, Steaming along. There you go, Max. Had to take a little break because of the Rona. But... Yeah. Um, but we are plugging along. We have another episode. We're going to have to do our episode on Monday 
this time because we have an interview to premiere for Tuesday. We have an interview with the director of a documentary called The Orange Years, which chronicles the uh, rise of Nickelodeon back in the 70s through the early 2000s. So Scott Barber um, stopped by and talked with us about his new documentary. That comes out video on demand on Tuesday. Um, Tuesday, November 17th. Yeah, that's the 17th. November 17th. Um, so be sure to check out the Orange Years. We'll drop that episode on Monday with that interview with Scott Barber from the Orange Years. But everybody, go. Thank you for listening to this episode. Um, tell your free, three friends about this uh, show. We really appreciate it. We pre- we're getting more listeners in Council Bluffs, Iowa. Cool. We're, we're building an audience there, which is super cool. Um, I found out that that's basically a part of the Omaha, Nebraska metropolitan area. So okay. somehow we're doing really well in Omaha. We appreciate it. Um, follow us on Instagram at Furloughed Film Talks, on Twitter at Furloughed Film. We're going to start putting up more videos on YouTube. So go subscribe to the YouTube at Furloughed Film Talks. But everybody, thank you for listening. Thank you to the Nelm Brothers again. Um, and everybody have a great weekend. Adios, amigos. Bye.